Well, for our time this evening, let us return to Amos chapter 5. We're going to look at a part of this chapter from verses 1 to 17. So Amos chapter 5, verses 1 to 7 will be our text. Last week we looked at Amos as he called witnesses and to expose the sins of the people in chapter 4. And being a preacher of the conscience, he highlighted three particular sins. The luxury of the people, how they were living in luxury while the poor were getting poorer. Hypocrisy and stubbornness. These are the three sins that he highlighted in the people of Israel. And he exposed them by the word of the Lord. Now this chapter here, it begins with a, a lamentation. And it's a funeral dirge over the death of a nation. And verses 16 and 17 tell us, There are plenty of mourners. Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord says thus, Wailing shall be in all streets, and they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas, and they shall call the husbandman to mourning, and such as are skillful of lamentation to wailing. And in all vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. And therefore there's a tremendous time of mourning, so that the normal professional mourners will be overwhelmed. They cannot cope, and the whole of the populace will be engrossed in wailing and mourning. And no wonder that is the case, because ultimately what we find here is that Israel, the ten tribes in the northern kingdom, they were ultimately going to go into captivity and they would never be brought back to their land. Never. I'm grateful to one commentator who highlighted this, and he said it's like the loss of a denomination to the professing church, because the church at that time was the ten tribes in Israel and the two tribes in Judah. They were the professing Christian, uh, professing believing church. Now we know there were differences between them, but nevertheless, they were the ones who would claim to be the worshippers of Jehovah. Whilst all around them, what would they have? They would have idolaters who are worshipping false gods. And therefore, when these people were going to be taken into captivity, because of their sin by the Assyrians, it was a loss of a denomination in modern terms. And we've known that in our own day and generation. Denominations come and go. Congregations come and go. Churches come and go. 
And it's all basically because of the same reasons that we find here. The professing people of God turn away from the living God. The process may take some time, but it happens. What has happened recently as far as the, the Church of England is concerned, we're not going to point any fingers at any particular denomination, but it does illustrate what we seek to talk about this evening. Recently, the Church of England have openly blessed same-sex marriages. Now, we believe the denomination as a whole, the church as a whole, has been deteriorating at the very least. We recognize there will be sound people in the Church of England, but you can see what is happening. And maybe what is happening here is happening before our very eyes. A section of the church is ultimately maybe going to be cut off altogether. Well, we're not going to gloat. We use these things in order to take warning to ourselves. This is the way we should approach these things. Recognize that we are far from perfect. And here, it was indeed the death of a part of the visible church. They were never going to be brought back into their property, into their land again. Well, this chapter here, the section we're going to look at, we might say it's not that familiar to us. There are difficult things in it. Well, hopefully we'll be able to shed some light on these things. But we are convinced that when Amos preached, he preached a good word. And the problem wasn't that the people didn't understand. The problem was they did understand, but they did not obey. But even in this really difficult word that he brings to the people of Israel, as is always with God and with the prophets, there is an element of grace in it. There's always that. When God preaches judgment, friends, it may well be hell, fire, and brimstone judgment. Yet, when he preaches that, there is an element of grace in it. Because if he didn't preach and judgment came, then there would be no grace. But when he does preach and when he warns, it is in order that people might reach out and embrace him. And in modern terms, in gospel terms, it is that people would come and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, in this section we're going to look at, in this difficult section where Amos has unpleasant things to say, things that are necessary but not easy to say. It would be easy to gloss over them, but not so Amos. His mouth was on fire, and he was going to declare the full counsel of God. But in this, I put it to you, we'll find there are three pleas that are put forward by Amos 
to encourage the people to listen to this and to act accordingly. What are these three pleas? Well, first of all, the first plea is, hear God's word. Hear it. He says here at the very beginning, hear ye this word. He says that in chapter 4, the beginning also, hear this word. And chapter 3, hear this word at the very beginning as well. It's a, it's a theme that runs through with Amos. He wants people to hear the word of God. He wants them to listen to it. Not just heed it and let it go in one ear and out the other ear, but he wants people to hear it and to assimilate it, to digest it, and above all, to put it into practice. That's what he's talking about. Give attention to the Word of God. And friends, regardless of our spiritual state tonight, we may well be an unbeliever. We may well be a believer who's backsliding. We may well be a believer who's struggling with temptation. We may well be a believer who is um, on fire, we might say, whose spiritual life is progressing. We might all be in different levels. No doubt that's probably what we have in front of us this evening. We're all at different levels. But friends, regardless of what level or what status we're at, we're all to take heed to the Word of God. Because how you treat God's Word is the way you treat God Himself, because you cannot separate God from His Word. And not only that, the way that you treat God's messengers is the way that you treat God. And this is what Amos is stirring them up to do, that they might be ones who would hear the Word of God. As you know, the Lord Jesus Christ had many arguments with the Jews. They were out to get him, even from nearly the very early part of his ministry. And he says to the Jews who were arguing over him, All men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. These people didn't honor the Son of God, and they thought they were honoring the Father. But the very fact that they did not honor the Son of God meant that they did not honor God himself, despite what they might think and despite what they might believe. And therefore, we are to come to God's Word. We are to heed it. We are to be submissive to it. We are to be like Mary who sat at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when she had that opportunity, she capitalized upon that opportunity. She knew that she couldn't always hear audibly the Savior teach and preach. And she had that opportunity there on that occasion. And come what may, she was going to listen to him. And this should be our mentality. And it's the same with the ambassadors of Christ. Paul tells the Corinthians, and as we looked at the Corinthians some time ago, we know that they somewhat despised the Apostle Paul. They didn't think that much of him. Even although they, humanly speaking, would attribute their 
new birth to his preaching. He was their spiritual father. Yet they did not think too highly of him. And he reminds them of his status as an apostle and as a preacher to the Gentiles and as the one who brought the word of God to them. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did, did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. What's he saying? He is saying he's there as an ambassador for Christ. He is declaring the very word of Christ to them. And when they hear his word, they are to recognize it is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are to be submissive unto him and to look upon him as the very mouthpiece of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul again, in that deep book, the, deep of, the book of Hebrews, how does he begin it? Hebrews chapter 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. There Paul is right at the very beginning, reminding them that God has spoken to the Hebrews in various ways in times past, but now something glorious, something wonderful has happened. What has happened? God has spoken to them by His Son. His Son has come in the midst, and the Son has brought the fullness of the gospel light upon them, and therefore they are to recognize Him, and they are to listen to His Word. Now, it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul begins the book of Hebrews like this, telling them to listen to the Son of God, to listen to God's Word. And towards the end of the same book, in Hebrews chapter 12, the second last chapter of the book, he warns the Hebrews, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. There at the beginning, listen to the Son of God. Listen to what he says. Take on board what he brings to you because he brings the gospel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Well, friends, we need to hear God again. We need to hear his word. We need to heed it. We need to listen to it. You can just imagine then Amos bringing this message to the, this people. And you can just imagine, because of what we've said to you before, but I shall refresh your memories, you can imagine what they would have said to him is, why? What's the problem? What's the problem? Remind, remind yourselves that Israel at this time was fairly affluent and well-off. They had enlarged their borders. God had been gracious to them. As far as uh, the economy was concerned, everything was going all right. Yes, the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer, but what? We're not going to worry about that. And we've got a religion. 
We are God's people. Everything's looking great. And here's Amos coming before them. And he is talking about a funeral dirge. Why? What's the problem, Amos? I don't see a problem. All things are going well. Well, all things may well be going well on the surface. As far as man can see, it may well have been going well, but God was looking at the heart. God was looking right down into the heart, and there was something far wrong, and he found all the religion abhorrent in his sight. And that's why he comes with his lamentation. And history proves that he was right. The day came when the Assyrians did come. What Amos threatened through God came to pass. Terrible devastation was brought upon them. They heard the word, but they didn't heed the word. Friends, let us not be like them. Let us hear God's word. Let us be obedient unto it. Let us absorb it. If the word of God cuts us to the heart, then it may well be an unpleasant experience, but it is a beneficial experience. Better to be cut in the heart now than to be cast into hell forever. Is that not true? Would you not nod in approval there? This is what he's talking about. Well, the second glimmer of grace or hope that we would see in these verses is we are to seek the Lord. Verses 4 to 6. For thus saith the Lord God unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. Now, let's, let's remind ourselves again, we could be preaching this to unbelievers, but and it wouldn't be wrong necessarily, but we would have to be true and accurate in our exposition. And we must tell those who are in front of us that ultimately this prophecy was aimed and directed at God's professing people first and foremost. It was to God's people. It was to God's people who would regard themselves as believers. You know, we can sit sometimes in the house of God and we can hear something and we might say to ourselves, well, that was a good evangelistic message. I hope the unbelievers were listening to that. Well, we hope they were too. But friends, this is for God's professing people. This is for people who sit at the Lord's table. This is for church members. This is for people who have been baptized. This is for people who embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he says to such people, seek the Lord. Terrible things were going to happen to the nation Israel, it would be dissolved. But there's always grace, and there's grace for the individual, and the individuals were urged to seek the Lord. What does it mean to seek the Lord? We hear about it 
There's a wonderful verse that we often quote in Isaiah, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That is what Amos is talking about. Seeking the Lord, turning away from sin, exercising repentance. And it has to be a heart matter. It's not just our, our physical actions. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Oh, friends, is this not something that should cause us to be awake and to listen? God is probing into your very hearts, into your thoughts. And he wants your thoughts to be pure. And whose thoughts are pure? Well then, seek the Lord. Why should we seek the Lord? Well, he gives us a number of reasons. We've already read the first one there. Verse 4, and ye shall live. And ye shall live. He's telling them, if you don't seek the Lord, you'll not live. But if you seek the Lord, you will have life. Real spiritual life. It surely reminds us of what the Lord Jesus Christ said. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. These people, as we shall touch upon, they had religion. It's easy to have religion. Multitudes have religion. But if you seek the Lord in the way that he has prescribed, it's life, everlasting, glorious, eternal life. He goes on. But seek not Bethel, verse 5, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. What's he talking about there? Well, we mentioned this briefly last week. Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba were all well-known places in the Old Testament. Bethel probably the most noteworthy. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had connection with Bethel. And maybe if we think of Jacob, for instance, after Jacob got the birthright and the blessing, did he not have to leave his home? Well, he left his home and he came to Bethel. And one commentator said, he left his past behind and he came to Bethel he came with a past. He came with problems. He came with difficulties. He met and encountered God at Bethel. And when he left Bethel, he went with a future. And then on the way back, after many years, after he came back from Paddan Aram, he came back and he, he, he stopped at Bethel again. And he was going to maybe renew what would happen. He hoped something else would happen to him there at Bethel. And something did happen. Because he came to Bethel with the name Jacob. And what happened when he left Bethel? He had the name Israel. He was a changed man. And these people here, 
They are called Israel. They are called after Jacob. Now, what's he talking about? Why is he mentioning these places? Well, these places in times past were places of great religious or national importance. And the people were flocking to the shrines there. And they were hoping that by, by going to these places that had been noteworthy in times past regarding the patriarchs and others, well, they were hoping that some of that might rub off on them. That's what they were hoping. They were thinking, well, we'll go here. Look what happened in times past. This was a great place. Bethel, the house of God. Surely this is a spiritual thing for us. Surely this will benefit, benefit us if we go there. Well, they went. And they went on many occasions. Gilgal is where Joshua encamped. And from Gilgal he went and fought in the promised land until he captured it. Beersheba, something noteworthy there. It was actually in Judah. They were going into Judah's country. These people were keen on their re religious gatherings. And they were hoping that their spiritual life would prosper and flourish. Or maybe I should more accurately say their religious life would, would prosper by going to these famous places where famous people had been. But nothing worked. They weren't any better. None whatsoever. We need to ask ourselves, are we relying on past glories? The Free Church of Scotland, 1843, the disruption. None can doubt that blessing upon blessing was poured out upon the, the disruption church. Are we going to think that that blessing will continue with us just because God blessed the early free church fathers? Are we living in past glories? If we're going to experience blessing, we need to be like the disruption fathers. Just because we have some kind of connection with them doesn't mean for one moment that we will know the blessing they knew. And that could be the same for anything. Many churches have been blessed in times past. Just because we've got an association with something that happened in the times past and we some, maybe have some emotional contact with it, it doesn't mean to say the blessing is going to follow unless we are obedient to the Lord our God. We are to seek Him above all things because only in Him is the blessing. Well, 
Seek the Lord for spiritual blessings. Seek the Lord for life. Seek the Lord because the judgment will come. That's what he says in verse 6. Seek the Lord and you shall live. Lest he break out like fire. That's the Lord. He spoke about that in the earlier chapters. He's the fire that's coming upon them in the house of Joseph and devour it. And there shall be none to quench it in Bethel. Friend, are you seeking the Lord? Are you seeking to be obedient to him, to follow him? That's what matters. Briefly then and thirdly, <clears throat> another thing, to seek the good. Verses 7 to 15, to seek the good from se verses 7 to 15. And again here, he's been a faithful preacher and prophet. He's exposing sin. He's exposing sin. Briefly, we'll just note them. In verse 7, for instance, what's happening there? The people are promoting injustice. In verses 10 and verses 13, they're rejecting rebuke. What does verse 10 say? They hate him that rebuketh in the gate. The gate is the place where the elders would gather to discuss the affairs of the city. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. They cannot stand if someone will come into their midst and question them and say, this is wrong. They will not tolerate that. They don't want justice. They want their own way. They want to do as they please. And if anyone says, stands up and says, I protest, here's the reason they won't listen to that individual. Oppressing the poor. 11 and 12, for as much therefore as your treadiness upon the poor. Could, this, could not this be written for our day and generation? Is it not true today that the rich are getting richer and they seem to get off with almost anything, while the poor are getting poorer? We're not going to divulge and go into politics. That's not our job. But nevertheless, Christians should stand up and when we see things like this happening, we should be able to have a voice and to speak out. The church should indeed speak out and tell the politicians and the judges and those who have power and authority over us, this is wrong. You are to live as God would have us to live. And to oppress the poor never pleases God. These people were indifferent to that. And verses 14 and 15, we've entitled that Arrogant Self-Confidence. Basically, friends, we could sum up these verses in a few sentences. They were religious people. They went to lots and lots of services from one end of the country, from Bethel to Gilgal to Beersheba, they went. And they went to their shrines, they offered their worshipping, 
and their offerings and their sacrifices. They did all of that. And when they left, here's the problem. Their lives never changed. Never changed. Well, we're going to modernize it, and we're going to put ourselves in the spotlight. We go to the house of God twice on the Lord's Day. We're at the prayer meeting. We're at the communion services. We might go to other communion services. We go to the school in theology. We go to family conferences. We maybe go to conferences that are out with our denomination. Whatever, we go. We're attending all kinds of religious services. We're hearing good preachers and bad preachers or indifferent preachers. We're hearing all kinds of things. We're attending all kinds of worship. We're diligent. We're giving our sacrifices. We're giving our offerings. But friends, what Amos is saying to us tonight here in Partick, is your life changing? That's what matters. They went through all that rigmarole. And the Word of God had no effect upon their daily lives, their daily conversation, their daily actions. It made no difference to them. Well, He gives them a warning. And in the three things that we've mentioned, heeding God's word, seek the Lord, seek the good, he is telling them how to escape. Because that judgment that he's talking about would come. And the judgment that we're talking about will come. But we have the way of escape. And that way is only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray together. Oh Lord, James talks about being hearers of the word and not doers. O oh Lord, thy word is quick and powerful. We pray that it would cause us to take action, to hear and to seek the Lord, and to call upon his great and glorious name, and to seek the good in order that we might live lives that have been transformed by the transforming Word of God. Hear our prayers. Pardon our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. <clears throat> to conclude, Psalm 85 at verse 8. Psalm 85 at verse 8. I'll hear what God the Lord will speak to his folk. He'll speak peace and to his saints, but let them not return to foolishness. To them that fear him, surely near is his salvation. 
that glory in our land may have our habitation. To the end of the psalm, Psalm 85, at, uh, 85 at verse 8, I'll hear what God the Lord will speak. The Lord will speak Speak peace unto his of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Our intimations are as follows. The Saturday night prayer meeting will be here in Partick beginning at 7pm. Services next Lord's Day at 11am and 6pm. The preacher expected is Dr. David Chin. Your minister will be taking services in Bewley. And because we expect not to have so many people at our services during the holiday period, we will have our Lord's Day services in the hall here. We have a New Year's Day service at noon on Monday the 1st of January. The offering on that occasion will be dedicated to Melville Knox Christian School in Glasgow. And if you have surplus <coughs> TBS calendars at home, 
please return them to the church as soon as possible so that they can be distributed door to door. These are all the intimations, God willing.